The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. If you or someone you know has a child with autism in their family, answers and support can be hard to come by. Welcome to Autism Spectrum Radio with host Dr. Bill Freya. We will offer practical information for parents of children of all ages, as well as explore treatment topics and recent research related to autism. Now, here is Dr. Bill Freya. Hey, and welcome to Autism Spectrum Radio, everyone. I'm your host, Rob Haupt. Uh, I'm Vice President of Business Development for Autism Spectrum Therapies, as well as a board-certified behavior analyst. Uh, I hope some of you recognize the voice and, and maybe even my face from uh, my video blogs that I've been posting for the last six months, just trying to give information about insurance, uh, services, IEPs, everything that could really be helpful to you or your child um, as you just navigate this system and this process. Um, today, we're doing something a little bit different. and. Uh, this is a first for us in Autism Spectrum Radio. We're doing our very first call-in show. Uh, when we started this show, we really wanted it to be all about resources, and we wanted it to be all about support. Uh, there's a lot of different information out there, and our belief, and, and my personal belief, is that the more information, the better. The more educated and informed you are, the better. And today's show is the next step in that for us, uh, an opportunity for us to speak directly with you. Um, we've been getting such a great response on Facebook uh, from the, my video blogs, from Dr. Freya's blogs, that we really wanted to open up the discussion in a whole new way. And, and one of the hottest topics that's been coming up on Facebook, as well as uh, on our blogs, has been teens and young adulthood. And it's something that I really feel passionate about, because that's really where I started my ABA career. Um, about 10 years ago, when I first started working in ABA and first started working with individuals with autism, I got exposed to this amazing program. It's called the New England Center for Children, and uh, anyone who wants to look it up, uh, their website is www.necc.org. It's a, a, just an amazing program out in Massachusetts. It's been around for about 35, 40 years, and getting exposed to this approach to working with kids with autism um, I got placed in a unit with 15 to 22-year-old males, and it was my first kind of exposure to what they go through, what's unique about them, and their unique needs. Um, our program was not your standard early intervention program. It wasn't uh, the major focus academics, or it wasn't having the major focus of communication or social skills. They were all there, but we really were gearing to something bigger. So for every social goal we were working with, we also had to work with some sort of hygiene goal or sexuality goal or community goal. Um, one of my favorite parts about the job and my two years there was actually the job training that we 
participated in, uh, going to serve lunch at a cafeteria, going to deliver newspapers, uh, janitorial work. It was amazing to be a part of this and to sit there with my students and work with them and teach them. And most importantly, to see how happy they were at the end of the day when they got to get a paycheck and they got to uh, be part of something because that was just so rewarding because it wasn't just getting the paycheck and being rewarded for a hard day's work, but then we worked on everything else. That paycheck then led to something bigger. We then had to work on banking skills, going and cashing our paycheck, uh, going into the community to then spend that money. Uh, it went from haircuts to restaurants to shopping for clothes. It became the whole package of taking care of yourself and we guided them and, and I played an active role with a, a couple of my guys. Um, and that's some of my favorite memories of, of my two years there is that trip to cash the paycheck and then use it to take care of the day-to-day -day life stuff that we all have to do, but also to take care of the fun stuff we all want. Um, you know, like I said, my favorite memory is that haircut followed by a trip to friendlies anyone on the east coast will know what i'm talking about with friendlies and chicken fingers french fries and ice cream uh and then you know going to target to pick up a pair of jeans um that was that was pretty awesome it was pretty special so as i said this is going to be uh, your chance to talk and ask your questions and, and have some dialogue about what's going on in your life what's going on in your teen's life um and, and get some of your questions answered um, if you want to ask a question, there's a few ways to go about doing it. Uh, you can email us at moreinfo at autismtherapies.com. You can post your question on our Facebook page, the Autism Spectrum Therapies Facebook page, or you could call me directly, uh, and you could call us at 866-472-5792. So all those are the best options to get in touch with us and, and get your question asked. Um, so... Right away, we're going to start off with a question that actually got posted on Facebook in anticipation of the show and, and, and something that I think is a great way for us to start. Um, the question is, uh, my son is 10 years old and has been making good progress with in-home sessions, and I'm curious what I should be thinking about now that uh, might help him as he enters his teen years. And the reason why I think this is just a great question to start with is that this is what so many of our kids are dealing with. So many of the kids we work with are really looking at this. I've been doing intensive behavior intervention. My child's been making this great pro progress. And now it feels like we're moving into the next phase of his learning or the next phase of just goals of, of ABA. And where I really recommend pretty much everyone start with and look at for their child is self-management. Uh, self-management is something that I know I've talked about on a couple of our video blogs, and it's something that I think really is critical for our kids as they get older because ABA, so much of it is that one-on-one -on -one with the child and their interventionist. And I think the other cool thing for us to look at as our kids get older is how do we fade that interventionist presence and have the child, the individual, be more focused in on their own goals and their own needs. Um, that's where self-management comes in. It's not one thing. It's kind of a combination of strategies that you've probably been using every day in your ABA program. But you've got now combined in a new way where the child is taking data on their own progress, um, following checklists, following charts to make sure they're managing their own behaviors, whether it be 
different social behaviors. It could be managing some self-stimulatory behaviors. Um, I've had some kids who have actually managed their own uh, verbal um, outbursts where they've been keeping track of how they're yelling out or if they're yelling out in class or if they're yelling out in social situations. I've had kids um, focus in on um, whether or not maybe they're hand flapping and engaging in anything like that. And it really leads to a greater degree of self-awareness, but not just for that behavior, but it can lead to a greater self-awareness across the board. Um, and what's great about it is it's step-by-step. It's something that can be supported by an interventionist, by you as a parent, um, and really then give this focus of moving forward, fading out all this support so they become more and more independent and more and more independent in different settings. Um, you know, on top of the self-management, I would also start looking at just getting more peers and more other people into the program, um, looking at who else can be participating? Can it be uh, a friend down the street? Can it be siblings? Can it be other family members? Generalization at 10 has got to be a huge goal because we think about our typically developing 10-year-olds and we want them being more and more independent and more and more focused on uh, those self-reliance skills. And that's what generalization and particularly self-management can lead to. So we've got another question here, um, and it's a question that is coming in from uh, our email. And the question is that I've been told that my son would benefit from a social skills program. Can you tell me how these programs function and specifically what might be gained? It promotes the generalization that I was just talking about, but it goes a little bit further. Um, it, it, it gets your teaching uh, for your child in more of a classroom structure or teaching. And, and that's what you should expect. Most good social skill groups are going to be a, a group program with a couple of kids, um, generally somewhere between three and six, who all should be about the same age and about the same functioning level as your child. Um, that way, all of you, all the kids are learning on a similar level. What I like to recommend is not having every child in the class have the exact same goals, but to have a little bit of a of an overlap where some kids are working on the same goals and some of the kids have other goals. And the reason for that is a child who's really great at initiating, but maybe isn't as great as listening can be a really good peer model for a child that is not so great at initiating, but maybe is a better listener and vice versa. You want to try and structure it so you've got good peer models there too. And whenever possible, a good social skills group is going to incorporate some typically developing peers as well, again, of the same age group. Because again, we're going for generalization. But as we look at teens, I think one, one of the things that's great for our teenagers is there's a lot of different programs and social skill programs where the kids are learning in the class structure. And that's great for very specific skills. We need to work on very specific social targets and getting teens together that there can be great. Uh, I know one group that we've run, some of the teens themselves have said they feel like their confidence has really increased and that they are feeling a lot better about themselves and their ability to interact with their peers. But I have uh, other teens that they have the foundational skills. They know how to start a conversation or they know how to uh, go through a certain number of exchanges, but they're really looking to generalize. And in those cases, I really like different social skill groups that, again, incorporate maybe a handful of teens, but they're maybe working on a joint project. 
Um, there's a great program here in Los Angeles where I live where they actually bring teens together and they all work on, on making a movie. They film a movie together. Um, someone uh, writes the script, and it's actually generally one of the, the participants, an individual with autism, has a script, has a premise, and they use professional equipment to put this all together. Um, I've heard of other great programs where all the kids come together and are working on a solar power car, or they're putting on a play. And one of the reasons I really like this for our teens who do have the foundational skills already is that we're putting kids together with common likes and common interests. And I think that's really, really important because we as individuals, we as adults, I, I hang out with people who have similar interests to me, who can have good conversations with me. Um, and that's what these groups can also provide for our kids. So I really look into that type of group as well if your teen has some of those foundational skills. All right, we're going to end on that question and uh, head into our break, have some of our advertisers chime in and uh we'll come back in a little bit again if you want to call us the number is 866-472-5792 see you in a bit opinions options answers voice america health and wellness at Autism Spectrum Therapies, we understand how confusing funding options have become, as well as the difficulties that often come with seeking insurance approval. Our knowledgeable insurance team can help you become informed about your options and assist you in securing the services your child needs and deserves. Our client advocates specialize in obtaining pre-authorization for insurance coverage of AST's services. If you have questions about your insurance coverage, call our insurance team today at 866-278-1520. Everyone deserves a life filled with happiness, confidence, and achievements. Code Metro, developers of NPA Works Business Management Software, is proud to partner with Autism Spectrum Therapies and its efforts in creating futures for individuals with autism. To fulfill our duties, we promise a special needs product that helps organizations operate efficiently, providing them with a business system that evolves as rapidly as they do. The results? A streamlined practice to help maintain quality services. Discover how we help businesses succeed at npaworks.com. Need to replace aging IT infrastructure? Want a way to scale IT resources on demand? Looking for affordable disaster recovery alternatives? Then maybe the cloud is for you. If you aren't sure where or how to start, CenterBeam can help. Over the past decade, we've moved hundreds of clients to the cloud and for a limited time are offering a 25% discount on a cloud readiness assessment. It includes detailed recommendations for your transition to the cloud and is yours to keep. Call 877-710-8880 or visit centerbeam.com forward slash voice America. At Autism Spectrum Therapies, we understand how confusing funding options have become, as well as the difficulties that often come with seeking insurance approval. Our knowledgeable insurance team can help you become informed about your options and assist you in securing the services your child needs and deserves. Our client advocates specialize in obtaining pre-authorization for insurance coverage of AST's services. If you have questions about your insurance coverage, call our insurance team today at 866-278-1520. 
your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. This is Autism Spectrum Radio with Dr. Bill Freya. If you have a question or comment for the host or guests, please send an email to moreinfo at autismtherapies.com. That's moreinfo at autismtherapies.com. Now, back to the program. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Autism Spectrum Radio. I'm your host, Rob Haupt. Um, this is uh, the first of what I hope to be many call-in shows, uh, opportunity for you guys to call in and uh, give us your questions. And this week, we're actually talking about teens. Um, so we actually have our first caller, uh, the brave first to uh, chime in. So we have uh, Brooke from L.A. Hi, Rob. How are you? Hey, Brooke. How's it going? It's going well. Thank you. Thanks for uh, taking my call. Oh, my God. Thank you so much for calling. Absolutely. Um, I'm actually a little bit kind of jumping the gun here. Um, I am the mother of a four-year-old daughter, and she got her autism diagnosis 18 months ago. Mm-hmm. So we are still in the process of trying to understand and come to grips with everything. But recently, you know, in just doing a lot of research and, and looking ahead and stuff in time, I do worry about her teen years, and I think it's appropriate that you all are speaking about this now. I'm specifically... Um, worried about bullying. You know, it's become such a huge thing nationwide in schools or whatnot, and now we're dealing with a child who doesn't have the skills to socially communicate, and kids can be so cruel. And I guess I'm just curious to know what kind of things that my husband and I could do as parents to help prepare her in the years to come as she approaches her teen years to kind of help deal with that or, or any, you know, guidance to help get through those, those teen years as they approach. Sure, sure. I mean, first thing is I, I think it's great that you're looking so far ahead. I mean, one of, one of my, my past clients who I just have such great memories of, we started working with him at two and a half, and his mom was always wondering, what is eight going to be like? What is ten going to be like? Because it helps you create a roadmap. I think mm-hmm. it's really important to have that sense of where are we going. You can always change the course, and you can always change and set that goal further or shorter, but it, it's really great to have that roadmap because you can start anticipating what you need, and um, I think that's exactly what you're doing, and that's fantastic. Um, in terms of the bullying, you know, I think the good news is, from my experience, preschool and those early elementary school years, the kids are actually great. Um, I've had a lot of different experiences in the classrooms where the kids have just couldn't be better. They help out. They offer peer modeling. They include all of our kids, and it's fantastic. And one of the ways that we've really kind of started that is by a lot of our parents have actually come in and started off with having a conversation with the teacher, really having a clear understanding of okay. what are my child's needs. And then as the teachers really get on board, they and the parents have actually incorporated discussions with the class. So maybe not necessarily to say, you know, this child has autism and this is what autism is, but maybe having those lessons of what it's, that it's okay to be a little different and how to help people who are a little different and how we all have different strengths and weaknesses. Um, that's a conversation I've actually had in a kindergarten class that went great, where everyone knew that the, the little boy I was working with was different, and they knew he had needed extra help. We didn't need to tell them what autism was, um, but we were able to tell them what kind of help he needed. 
And right. as I found that as our, we got a little bit older, that's when we started to talk about autism. Um, I had this one mom who was amazing. She, she really mustered up her courage and worked with the teacher, and they created a lesson together where they talked about what is autism, how it's different. And this was to a second um, and third grade class. They did it two years in a row. And wow. it really led to the students in the class being a lot more understanding of this, of this child. And what was most important was that they prevented other kids from bullying. So as I was working with this young man to learn about good social skills, which is going to be critical, and as we were working on, um, you know, how to, we, we kind of taught him cool versus uncool. This is a cool thing. This is an uncool thing. And it was a lesson of how to avoid bullies. But his mm-hmm. peers actually would help protect him from bullies too. Don't, no, 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 that's not okay. We don't treat him that way. He's one of us. He's just like us. He just needs help. Or he learns a little differently. No, 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 we're not going to do that. And we actually had some of the most popular kids in the class advocating for our student. And it actually led to good friendships that he was able to maintain for years because these guys were exposed from an early, an early age that it's okay to be different. Not mm-hmm. everyone's the same. Um, Rob, you're going to make me cry. <laughs> well, and, and I just, it's, it's, it's a challenge. But, you know, yeah. it, and the, the warning I give you, and, and I, I said before, this was a brave mom. And so it's going to take a little bit of bravery on your part because obviously you have to open up and work with a teacher. But the, the outcomes can be huge because now you have a community supporting your, your child, not just you. Right. Um, may I ask a follow-up? Absolutely. Um, I guess one of the other concerns, because um, when my husband and I were talking this morning, like, what, what can we ask? And, and this was another thing that kind of goes along with this, but it's the antithesis of it is, again, everything that I'm reading is that as autistic children age, they still have those desires to make friendships and connections and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's just that social component, you know, sometimes holds them back or whatnot. Mm-hmm. And, again, is is there anything that I... I just I worry about her in her junior high and high yeah. school years not having any friends or being very lonely, and that just breaks my heart to think about that. And I know I can't predict the future, prevent the future. I, again, just trying to, to think of everything we can possibly be doing to help lay the, the groundwork for when yeah. we get there. Well, I think, I think you need to look at it in two phases. Um, right now, it's all about skills. We want to really emphasize the skills. What... What is it? What are the kind of the core skills that lead to someone being a good friend? And and that's not you know obviously I'm an ABA person being a BCBA, but I, a lot of different people would emphasize that whether it be OT, speech, social skill programs. What are these key skills to help give your daughter the foundation today? Right. And as she gets older, you're right. I mean I have kids with autism who I've worked with for years who. They're more social than I am. I feel like they want to have more friends than I do. And I'm always amazed by it. It's you know, one guy comes to mind right away. He's 15, and he's the most friendly kid I've ever met of any kid I've ever met. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I always emphasize for him and what I always told his mom is he's really, really friendly, but he also wants to have friends who are going to have similar likes and interests. So mm-hmm. I always encourage we build the core skills early so that way, when our kids get a little bit older, 
they can be versatile. I mean, obviously, we don't want our children to focus only on one thing or two things, but we also want to have that balance of if you're really into dance, then it makes sense to have some friends who are also into dance or if right. you're really into art, to be into art. And, and that's where I really like, you know, we, we, we don't have enough of it, but, you know, little leagues and sports and art classes and dance classes, because I think exposing our kids uh, to those types of things early on can really help. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking about my nephew, who's two, and we're already talking about, you know, getting him exposed to the water because we're in California and there's oceans and he loves the beach. Right. And there are other things to, you know, our kids with autism can benefit from all that too. Um, and so that's why I would say I would take it in phases. Um, Got it. And then kind of go from there. Excellent. Brooke, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for your call. Thank you, Rob. Bye-bye. Uh, we've got another call, and now we've got uh, Terry from Newberry Park. Terry, how's it going? Hi. Um, can you hear me okay? I can hear you great. Um, I actually have a, a teenage son with Tourette. Um, he was diagnosed when he was between eight and nine. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've been able to manage it pretty well with some medication. Um, he's very, very active in sports. Mm-hmm. And he's a great kid. Um, and I've only heard a little tiny bit about ABA, and I was just curious if it's ever recommended for a kid with Tourette. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. Um, actually, it, it, it's not something you hear too much about, but it's actually something that does have support. Um, I mean, I, I personally worked with an 11-year-old um, with mm-hmm. Tourette's. Um, okay. He didn't have autism. He was diagnosed with Tourette's and, and just had some impulse control as well. Mm-hmm. And we um, actually used uh, a program that I spoke about earlier on the show called Self-Management. And it was really about getting him to recognize um, his own behaviors. Mm-hmm. And what was really great about that is he was just the smartest guy. I mean, he was so clever. He understood his, his Tourette's really well. He was really clear on it and said, you know, I, I can start to recognize when I'm not feeling, when something's coming on. You know, it's not every time, but I can start to feel a little something. And we okay. got him to recognize that and came up with a whole bunch of strategies for him to excuse himself. So he was able to learn, okay, these are the things that are, I'm starting to feel a little off. Let me excuse myself. We had a, a spot where he could go, where he could just have some downtime um, to do what he needed to do and come back to the class. And it actually worked out great. His teacher was happier. He was happier. And his, actually his grades ended up increasing because he was having such a hard time just managing himself in the classroom that it was causing him a lot of stress and anxiety. Mm. Um, and so it was really great for him to incorporate those more advanced ABA strategies um, in his program. He, you know, he's not the kid where we wanted to do a one-on-one, and uh, if, if your son's in his teenage years, I don't think a, an intensive ABA would be the way to go. But some of these self-regulation strategies, um, just kind of helping him organize himself, that was really mm-hmm. helpful, and I think that's probably the best way to go um, in, in terms of working with a student with Tourette's. And, that, and that's all the research that I've seen so far, focusing right. on those areas. Okay. All right. Well, wonderful. Thank you. I appreciate it. Terry, appreciate your call. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Take- well, we've got about a minute before break. So, uh, again, we are hosting our first ever call-in show. 
And if you are out there and you have some questions for me, uh, we're talking about teens and we're talking about different service options, different areas of emphasis, um, and just some of the problems that come up. A um, couple ways to reach us. You can call us at uh, 866-472-5792. You can post a question on Facebook, or you could even email us at moreinfo at autismtherapies.com. When we come back from a break, we'll take some more questions, talk to some more callers, and uh, read what other posts come in. Uh, we'll talk to you then. Learn more. Live better. Voice America Health & Wellness. Shepard Mullen Richter in Hampton is a proud supporter of Autism Spectrum Therapies. Shepard Mullen is a full-service law firm with more than 570 attorneys in 14 offices located in the United States, Europe, and Asia. Companies turn to Shepard Mullen to handle corporate and technology matters, high-stakes litigation, and complex financial transactions. For more information, please visit shepherdmullen.com. BDO is dedicated to service, from serving our clients to serving the communities in which we live and work. Through BDO Counts, our national corporate volunteer program, employees across the country volunteer their time, talent, and resources for the good of local communities. And now, BDO is proud to support Autism Spectrum Therapies. We believe in doing our best to make the world a little better. That's why people who know community involvement know BDO. At Autism Training Solutions, we know what it's like to work with children with autism. And we know what professional development can do for a school, a child, and a family. That is why we want to give 50 schools in the U.S. access to ATS professional development for a whole year. All you need to do is tell us how ATS would make a difference for your team in a one-minute video or a 500-word essay. For a complete set of rules, visit AutismTrainingSolutions.com backslash contest. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. This is Autism Spectrum Radio with Dr. Bill Freya. If you have a question or comment for the host or guests, please send an email to moreinfo at autismtherapies.com. That's moreinfo at autismtherapies.com. Now, back to the program. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Autism Spectrum Radio. I'm your host, Rob Haupt. Uh, we are taking your calls, we're t answering your questions, and uh, as I said, Facebook is one of the great ways to get in touch with us. Uh, a call that, or I guess a question that came into us via Facebook is something that really, really resonates with me, uh, having quite a few experiences. And the question is, I've always encouraged my son to express his independence and personal preference, but now that he's entering his teens, I'm concerned about his appearance. I see how young people look at him with his mismatched clothing and T-shirts that have juvenile characters on them. I feel, like I, should be, I feel like I should maybe give more direction with his choice of clothes and grooming. What do you think? Uh, this is a fantastic question, and it's something that I personally have worked through with a lot of my teens and a lot of my parents, and it is a much harder conversation than all of us thought. Um, 
I was talking to you guys in the, in the beginning of the show about some of my past experiences. And, and when I was working at New England Center, um, I was working with a, a young man who was 17. And he didn't have juvenile characters, but he was making money. He had a paycheck, and he just didn't have that, that more modern look. His, his clothes really were, were a little dated. And he wanted to look a little bit more modern. And so we went out, and we went to Target, and we got you know, the... the the darker jeans because the dark wash was in then and we got a little bit of those uh, plaid western shirts because that was popular and it was just it was great he got into it um, and then I've had other guys who who fought it who didn't want it and it was a tough conversation of breaking away not necessarily having the, the Mickey Mouse t-shirt um, or in some of my guys cases maybe the Cinderella t-shirt on the 13 year old boy and, and we worked through that. And in some cases, it was guys who were fully verbal. They could say exactly what they wanted. We were able to go out shopping, and it and really clicked. And, and for some of our guys, it was harder. Um, it was harder to communicate. I, I have a few where they really couldn't quite grasp what we were doing and, and why, especially the why. And we, we just did it in phases. Um, we started with maybe only wearing that shirt one day a week or two times a week. Um, we started doing, maybe it was the undershirt was the juvenile character or that cartoon character with a, a shirt over it. Um, things like that to ease him into it. Um, I know that worked really well for one of my guys. But I think it's really critical because in the, our previous caller, uh, Brooke, brought up a, a great question. And I think this is what she's getting at when she was speaking of her daughter is that it is hard for our kids to interact with, with their peers. And as, and as our kids go into the middle school and the high school years, it becomes hard, and it's hard for every kid. I, mean, I, I always say that middle school was by far the worst stretch of my childhood. Um, it, was, it was really hard, and you always feel a little awkward. And having those clothes just helps fit in. And I think in this case, having the, the clothes similar to what everyone else is wearing, it makes it easier for everyone else to embrace your child and for everyone else to kind of be like, yeah, yeah, he's got the same, you know, he's got the same Laker shirt that I've got, or, you know, yeah, she's got the same uh, type of dress that I've got. I, I think that does make a bigger difference. And I, I, it's some of those things that doesn't really make a difference to probably you and me, but uh, if we put ourselves in those teenage, middle school, high school years, um, for them, with all the peer pressure kids face, that it does make a difference, and it does make it easier uh, for them to come together and to build that community that, that Brooke and I were talking about on her call. So it is definitely something I recommend you do. Um, and, and sit down and have a conversation. And uh, the thing I left out is in all these cases, we took um, the, the child shopping with us or we took the teen shopping with us. So um, back when I was in Massachusetts, uh, he went shopping with me. We went to Target together, and he picked out a lot of stuff. Um, I just made sure to go places where he wouldn't necessarily have those characters um, to choose from. So I was kind of forcing that choice a little bit to be, hey, here are all the things that I think are okay, and then you choose whatever you want. And so that's how I would also recommend going about uh, purchasing these types of clothes. All right. Uh, another question. This one actually came in via email. Um, and the question is, my son has always been very energetic. But now that he is a teen, he seems more aggressive and moody. I feel like we are on him all the time to change his behavior, but at times it seems like it makes things worse. 
can be emotionally and physically exhausting. And I'm always wondering if I'm doing the right thing or if I should just back off a little and be, be more permissive. Um, really tough question. And, you know, I just want to point out to start, you know, a question like this, um, I'm going to give you the best advice I can based on the information, but there is going to be uh, a few things you want to look into first. Obviously, if you're working with a, a team of professionals, ABA professionals, uh, maybe you're working with a, a psychologist, maybe you're working with speech and OT, uh, I don't want to disregard any strategies or maybe a behavior support plan that they've created, but the question you're asking is a very valid one. And it is something that happens a lot. Our, our kids are so used to us, and especially kids who I've seen who have had ABA for a long time, they are used to someone being right next to them or, or doing an intensive one-on-one program. And after a while, it can wear on them, um, particularly some of my older kids. And I've actually had some of them say to me, I need space. Please back off. This is starting to become too much. And we've had to uh, evaluate our behavior support plan. We've had to evaluate our behavior intervention plan to figure out is there an opportunity to support this child in the best way or this teen even in the best way and meet his needs while still meeting the needs of the plan because obviously we're working on really important goals for a reason. Um, and, and this is where, again, I think you know, I, I've been talking about it a lot, and it's, it's because I believe very strongly in self-management. And I think this is a part where looking at self-management as a way to back off. Is there a way for your team to take a little bit of data on themselves, um, have their own goals? I mean, we had a, I spent a few years with this, this amazing, amazing teenager who just, if I was next to him and on him, and, or if his parents were on him all the time, it, it was just a nightmare. It just, it just wouldn't work. It didn't work for the parents, didn't work for him. But when we implemented this self-management program and he could start writing down and charting and, and, and keeping track of himself and his own needs, that's when we really started to see a difference. That's when we started to him to really take some steps to be more independent. Um, it actually was only focused for the home. We were only working on his, him doing chores, um, him cleaning up after himself. We were working on him doing some homework um, and managing some of his um, outbursts and arguing with his, with his mom. Um, and it, it took time. It took effort. But it actually ended up trickling into the school environment, too, where he became more social. Uh, and we went from this one-on-one where, okay, we're going to sit and go and work through these goals to let's talk through these things. Let's set up this program. Let me teach you how to use this program. And then our sessions actually ended up being a lot about okay, let's now go through the data you took yesterday and talk about how that day went, and let's go through the chart um, and, and analyze this. Um, if anyone's interested out there, I, I also recommend um, there's some great work done out of uh, UCLA by a professor named uh, Jeffrey Wood, and uh, Dr. Wood focuses on teens with Asperger's primarily, but he looks at a lot of these areas, and he, he takes a slightly different approach. It's not quite ABA. It's a little bit more of a cognitive behavior therapy approach, but it is uh, really worth looking at, um, particularly for uh, parents who have teenagers who are higher functioning, um, who are maybe dealing with some of the stresses of the teenage years, and as well as um, working on some of the social goals or working on um, some of these things that are expressed here, just the moody, the the 
little bit more aggressive in nature. Um, and aggressive in nature doesn't necessarily mean physical aggressive. It could be tone of voice or, or frustration um, because that's what I see with a lot of the teens that I've worked with is, is just that. Um, so that's a good place to look. Uh, again, Dr. Jeffrey Wood, I mean, he's at UCLA and has done some great research with kids with Asperger's, um, looking at some of their anxiety and looking at some of these self-regulation and uh, self-reliance skills. Um, so definitely take a look at that. Okay, I think we've got uh, time for one more question before uh, we go to our next break. Um, again, we've got another email question here. Um, and this question is... Um, from uh, one of our emailers. It says, uh, my daughter is 13 and loves science. Uh, Temple Grandin is her hero. Should I encourage this interest or is it unrealistic to think she might have a career in science? Um, really great question. And conceptually, I got to tell you, I, I don't think it's unrealistic um, because science is so broad that I think it's good for us to encourage our kids' talents. Um, and realistically, you know, Temple is probably a great example of that. She followed something she loved and made a career out of it um, because, you know, she was really interested in, you know, the farms and when working with the cattle and, uh, and she made something out of that. And if your daughter's into science, then that's fantastic. I think you should follow science and, and should encourage her to go into that. Um, my, uh, my mother-in-law is someone who, who's, who's fantastic. She, she didn't know much about autism and she didn't really... No, she knew nothing about ABA, but autism was very new to her. And, uh, and, and since the, uh, the last 10 years, her awareness has just raised. And, and the reason I mention her is that I never forget, she sent me this article about this uh, young man with autism who apparently had this love for cooking. And no one thought he would be a chef and no one thought he could do all of that. But his parents believed that no, he's, he loves this. He's got a future here. And, and what the article said was that they uh, started this little business for him, and he has the, the help of uh, an aide similar to the type of help I provided to, uh, to my students in uh, Massachusetts, where he cooks uh, one or two dishes. I guess he has one or two favorite dishes he makes all the time, and he makes them really well. And then they cut it all up into individual portions. They put it, each individual portion into Tupperware, and they go down into town, and they got their like um, their cooler bag, kind of like when you get you know fast food delivery or uh, not fast food, thinking like pizza delivery, uh, something to keep it warm. And they go into the local uh, beauty salon, and then they go into the next store, and they've got about a few different stores, if I recall correctly, that they would go into, and they would sell lunch, and it was you know a few dollars each portion. It was basically enough to pay for all of his supplies, pay for the cost of everything, and, and have him make a little bit of money, too. And he loved it. it. Apparently, it was what he looked forward to every day was work. And no one thought he could cook, and no one thought that this was going to be a career for him because he had motor deficits, and he particularly had fine motor deficits. And I believe, if I recall the article correctly, he was also nonverbal. But he is selling a product, uh, even though he is using alternative communication devices, um, even though he has the help of an aide there, he's doing the work and he's selling his products. And this is uh, his job every single day. So if I think about science, science could be a million different things. It could be laboratory. It doesn't necessarily mean they're running, their daughter's running the, the experiment, but maybe she's supporting it. Maybe it's geology. 
Maybe it's, um, God, I'm blanking on the different science stuff. But I think you get my point. It could be a lot of different things. It doesn't have to be one thing. And I think when we look at our, the careers for our kids, um, expanding the horizons of what an interest could turn into a career. Uh, there's a lot of great people who talk about that. Um, and uh, I'll pass along some resources towards the end of the show because I've got a warning here Tell me I've got to go into the break. So um, we're going to take a break now. When you come back, we'll answer a few more questions, and then I'll give you some final thoughts and resources. All right, thanks. Helping you make informed decisions for your life. This is Voice America Health and Wellness. If you are considering how cloud computing might benefit your business, CenterBeam's Cloud Readiness Assessment can help. Our track record includes over a decade of service delivery experience, and our customer satisfaction leads the industry. We've moved hundreds of clients to the cloud and can help you identify the best strategy for your business. Call today to get a 25% discount on your assessment, 877-710-8880. The assessment is yours to keep and will provide specific insight into how the cloud can work for you. Call 877-710-8880 or visit centerbeam.com forward slash voice America. Parents of special needs individuals want to know if the care their loved ones are receiving is the best possible. We at Code Metro, developers of NPA Works, business management software for special needs providers, understand the unique necessities of running a successful organization. NPA Works helps free providers of tedious tasks like scheduling and insurance billing. Ensure your clinic is maximizing the time they give to your loved one. Ask if they use NPA Works. Visit us at npaworks.com to see how we can help. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. This is Autism Spectrum Radio with Dr. Bill Freya. If you have a question or comment for the host or guests, please send an email to moreinfo at autismtherapies.com. That's moreinfo at autismtherapies.com. Now, back to the program. Hey, welcome back to Autism Spectrum Radio. I'm your host, Rob Haupt, uh, and we're talking about teens. And uh, we've got a, a more, time for one more question uh, before we wrap up the show. And it's, it's the question that was kind of hoping I would get, but also nervous about getting. And, uh, and I think the moment I read it, uh, you will understand uh, exactly what I'm talking about. Um, the question comes from, uh, comes from Facebook, and it's, uh, my son has a crush on every woman he sees and is very expressive in his adoration of them. Growing up, I think most people have found him endearing, but now that he is approaching his teens and getting bigger, I see people becoming more uncomfortable and even nervous. I'm concerned about setting boundaries, and I'm scared to death when it comes to addressing sexuality. Any advice? Um, this is, I think, the million-dollar question. Um, probably about two, three months ago, I, this was the conversation that Dr. Freya and uh, Dr. Gerhardt had is, is sexuality and educating our teens in sexuality. Um, and this is, I think, the hardest thing. It's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable for us. It's uncomfortable for our teens. It's uncomfortable for, for everyone. 
um, I heard this this amazing talk by um, by Frank Cicero, and, and Frank is uh, is with Eden, which is uh, out in uh, Staten Island, New York. Um, they also have a facility in, in uh, New Jersey, and he he looked at the why. Why is this hard? And why do our kids with autism really not get this? And one of his biggest hypotheses that I that I found the most interesting is that he said, where where do most kids learn about sexuality? And he said, the playground. And, and I was thinking back to my childhood. Yeah, the the school bus, the playground. Uh, it was it was all the banter between the boys in the back of the bus. That kind of introduces uh, a lot of kids to it. Um, and our kids with autism don't get that. They don't participate in that, either because maybe they don't have the the friends that everyone else has. Hence, why we're talking about social skills today. Or maybe it's because uh, they have an aide with them, an adult aide, and the kids are really good at working on the social stuff with our kiddos, but maybe they're reluctant to go that deep into those types of conversations because they're embarrassed. They know not to have that conversation with the adult present. Um, so unfortunately, it falls on us and it falls on parents. And um, it, it can be hard because how do I break this down? Um, one, one of the first things in this situation that I, that I would look at is just first start on boundaries, setting boundaries of, how far away should you be when speaking to someone? When it's appropriate to hug versus not hug. Um, I had the same problem with a student, and we really looked at that. Um, when is it appropriate to hug versus not hug? Because he wanted to hug everybody. That's where we started. So we, weren't, we didn't get as deep because he could only understand portions of what we were doing. So we took it step by step, and we, and we, we basically used it as building blocks. This step builds on that step, which builds on that step. Um, then, as they get older, you know, eventually there is talk about sexuality. And you know, we've had situations where we do need to get into more depth. And that's the time to, I think, really sit down and have a game plan. Um, have a plan. Have a script. Um, I worked with this amazing couple who was super nervous about this, but they knew they had to talk about sexuality and, and give a little bit of sex ed to their child. And they sat down and they came up with a script. And, and I helped guide them, and we came up with a script. And it was a script that they went over about once a week, once every two weeks, um, of questions and of uh, a conversation and a dialogue to help prepare him. And, and their son, he got better. He, he wasn't perfect. There was still a lot of work to do but he got a lot better and they were able to address a lot of their needs. So I know I'm just scratching the surface, but I think that's where I would really start is setting some of those physical boundaries that we're aware of. Um, like I said, when to hug, when to shake hands, um, how far away to be from someone, because at least that can help make the people, these adults, uh, these strangers more comfortable, as well as um, give your child some foundational skills as you then go deeper and deeper. Um, another great thing in terms of getting guidance is that there are some groups out there for parents where you can sit down and talk about some of these issues um, and, and really, you know, get some tips and guidance. So uh, I want to thank everyone for, for chiming in today, for calling, um, for emailing, for Facebooking. Um, this is the first of, of many dialogues. Um, and just like we had a theme today, my hope is to have uh, themes for each one that we have in the future. Um, you know, the, the thing that I really take away from this is that we're not doing enough. 
um, you know, I, I, I went back and I've, I've re-listened to Dr. Gerhardt's show a few times uh, that he had with, uh, with Dr. Freya. And, I, and I've seen uh, Peter speak a number of times, and, and I, I find him really just motivating, and, and uh, he gets me excited for what we do. And it, it's something that I think we need a greater emphasis on is, is teens. Um, it's great we're, we're having these conversations, and I'm so glad so many of our parents who have younger children are already thinking this way. Um, some great talks I've heard um, are actually here in Los Angeles. The Autism Society of America has done a lot of talks about adult transition and preparing for adulthood and really encouraging parents to think five years ahead. Um, if you wait to 15 for the adult transition, you probably have waited too long. Start at 10. Start at 9. Uh, and I really like that message because we need to start sooner because I, there's too many families who call, who I speak to, and, and not just here in California, um, in everywhere we go. I mean, I, I have the benefit of getting to meet a lot of different people in different communities, and it's a similar theme. My child is moving into the next phase of his life or her life. What should we be focusing on? What should we be looking at? Um, because we, we look at the statistics. We see the rate of autism increasing. And without getting into the whys, the reality is, is that we need to be prepared to provide services and support to these children, and not just at early intervention, but across the lifespan. Um, there's a lot of adults right now um, with autism who can really benefit from additional support. And I'm not talking about just ABA, or I'm not talking about an intensive program, but guidance, um, individualized programs. And I think that's a big thing that our field and that everyone can focus in on is creating more individualized options and supports for our teens and, and for our adults. Um, because the more independent they become and the more skills we learn, the, the better quality of life they're going to have. And I think, as importantly, the better quality of life that you as a parent is going to have because it's just the more things you can do together, the more things you can participate in together, and the more success you can see your child have obviously is, is going to lead to a, a better quality of life for you as well. So uh, as, as you think about this, I, I, I know we've had some questions as well as answers, um, and, I, and I think that's probably the biggest thing is we still have more work to do here, and we still have more to learn. Um, as I said, a couple of resources for you guys. Um, you know, Peter gave some resources on employment with, through uh, www.worksupport.com. Talked about sexuality um, with www.scarletine.com. Um, I really read some of the stuff for Peter uh, at mccarnanfoundation.org as well as researchautism.org. Um, so I would check those out. I would also look up Dr. Wood's work at UCLA because I think some, some of our kids with autism, or sorry, Asperger's, would really benefit from what he's doing. Um, we'll be back next week with another show. Um, we'll give you guys some more heads up and, and do some more live call-in shows in, in the weeks to come. Hopefully do about one a month. Um, check us out at Facebook. Find my video blogs because I like to know people are, re are watching and, and benefiting from them. I hope you are. Um, and thank you for joining me today. Uh, thanks for joining us on Autism Spectrum Radio. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. We hope you've had some questions about autism answered this week. Autism Spectrum Radio can be heard live every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Please join your host, Dr. Bill Freya, for another edition next week. 